0: Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Wood of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Welcome to everybody that's watching us online. It says he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. It says many... Rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which made a penny. He called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more, everyone say more, has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. But they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. We're starting a new series today called The Economics of Sacrifice. But before we get into that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword able to get into our life and penetrate and make supernatural change from the inside out. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to invade us afresh during this word. We thank you for being here and inhabiting the praises of your people. But God, we ask you to be here in this word I pray that you'd put a fresh anointing on me that it wouldn't be just another message, but there'd be a prophetic edge to speak into the fabric of the lives of people that are here. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd give them ears to hear what you're saying to them personally and us collectively. We, we don't want to be the same when we go out. We want to be changed every week a little bit more like Jesus. We, we want you to work in us so we can become more Christ-like, that we can say, if you've seen us, you've seen our Saviour. Because we reflect your love in our world. So today, God, let your word thunder home in our hearts. Let every one of us be changed by it. Lord God, we just ask you to work with us all. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord a great round of applause. High five the person beside you. Tell them how fantastic they're looking today and how blessed they are to sit beside you. I was, a, I was a military kid. I come from a, obviously I'm Australian, but I come from a military family. My, my, my pop, my mum's dad, John Alexander Keyes, enlisted in the Australian Imperial Force of September of 1915. He was just 20 years old and two months when he enlisted. He did two tours. He, he was in the first flight horse brigade, he, he fought in, in Cairo and was uh, deployed multiple times. My, my, my uncles, his sons, also served in uh, the military, and I, and I have some cousins uh, who also served in the military. Now, my, my, my dad, George Albert Morgan, who named his son Kerry, but that's relevant, uh, was a warrant officer in the Royal Australian Air Force. He enlisted on the 25th of May in 1948. He was about 19 years of age when he enlisted. And then he retired from the Australian Air Force as a warrant officer in 1977. Uh, I was in the, the Air Force uh, in the, uh, all my, my growing life with my dad my, when my dad was in the military. I grew up on an Air Force base in, when I was about four or five years ago in Richmond uh, in New South New South Wales. And so my early, earliest memories of my life were growing up on that RAF base and being in the military. When I was about four years of age, we lived on the RAF base in Richmond. And I remember a friend of mine, whose dad also was in the military, talking to me about an issue that they were having in their family. His mother, sorry, that's not true, his grandmother, who lived in England, was being attacked by a dragon. And 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 we really needed to uh, go and rescue her from this terrible thing that was happening. And so, me and my other four-year-old friend uh, found our way on the RAF base, the Air Force base, and climbed up into the back of a C-130, got in the back of a plane, and sat and were just waiting for the plane to take off and take us to London so we could rescue uh, his grandmother from the dragon. They sent people out all over the Air Force Base looking for these two missing children. They eventually found us in the aeroplane. My mother was not happy. My mother did not honour the bravery that was in her young son. She was obedient to the scripture, though. She laid hands on me to see if I would recover. I think by the time I was 15, we'd actually moved and relocated 15 times we've got people in our church family Ben and Mariella Shaftel, who are part of our church family have recently been posted uh, the family was posted to California and Ben has been deployed to Qatar I was FaceTiming with him just the other day now, there are those who serve and there are those who uh, go there are those who wait they have three children they have Riley Jacob and Emma three little children who are waiting for dad to come home the giving may not be the same but the sacrifice is the same in God's kingdom the economics of sacrifice means that it's not equal giving that God in uh, anticipates but that it's equal sacrifice The economics of sacrifice is not about the size of the gift, but it's about the size of the heart that comes in behind the gift, the size of the personal cost behind what has been given. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver sacrifice is a decision of the heart and your gift will not be measured in proportion to somebody else's gift your gift will not be measured by somebody else's sacrifice but it'll be measured by the sacrifice made in your heart and the best way to give with your heart to get your heart involved in the giving is to get your head involved in the giving it's a predetermined decision this is a biblical principle before anybody gave to the building of the tabernacle Moses said go home look what you have make a decision in your heart and come back and give And because people were able to go away to their house, look what they could give and not be measuring it against anybody else, they were able to give so much generously and sacrifice equally that Moses had to call an end to the giving because people were giving too much. And so Paul says, I want each of you to take plenty of time. I want you to go home. I I, I want you to think about it. There needs to be a predetermined decision made before you ever do it. I love the Message Bible. He says, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind of what you're going to give. Think it over. Make up your own mind. A predetermined decision determines the intent and the passion behind the gift. So you should never give out of grudging obligation or out of manipulation because that will uh, detract from the sacrifice. You've got to give because you want to do it. King David uh, had been disobedient as as a leader. He'd done some things that God was not happy about because of his decisions. The nation came out under judgment. God gave him like three options and he, he chose the lesser uh, he went with, I, I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to trust man. And, and the nation was in all sorts of turmoil. And then David's pastor came to him and he said, you need to repent. You need to give an offering. David finds a man called Ornan. He is threshing wheat and, and, and doing his daily stuff. And so he, he comes to him and he says, listen, I, I, I want I, I want." your oxen, I, I, I want everything you have and I want to pay full price for it. Ornan says to him, listen, I, I'm going to give you the oxen. You can have them. If, you, if you're dedicating to God, I, I'm going to, you're the king, I want to honor you. You can, you can have the oxen for free. He said, the threshing sledges that I, I've been using, you can, you can have them for free. Use that as wood uh, for the burnt offering. All the wheat that I have, I'm going to give it to you. You can have it all. King David, I personally want to give you everything that I have. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 24, King David said to Ornan, No, but I will buy them for full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours Nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You cannot give a sacrifice if there's no personal sacrifice. The offering gets its value from the cost of the sacrifice. The tithe is a perfect example of. The economics of sacrifice. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there is no more need. Now the tithe is 10% of your income and by its nature, it does not require equal giving. If everyone one of us is earning a different wage, then the tithe of our wage is always going to be different. But it does mean that if we're all giving 10%, that it, it creates the opportunity for equal sacrifice. If Jack earns $100 a week, Jack's tithe is $10. If Bill earns $1,000 a week, then Bill's tithe is $100. The tithe actually levels the playing field. And even though their wages are not the same, they they both have the opportunity to give equal sacrifice to the Lord. Tithing means that it's also possible for someone to give five times more than someone else, yet only give a sacrifice that's 50% less. So if Jack earns $100 and he tithes 10 if Bill earns $1,000 and he tithes $50, then he gives five times as much money as, as Jack, but his sacrifice is 50% less. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 says, this is talking about Jesus. He sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Jesus sat down, watched and took note. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins that make a penny. So the contrast is clear, rich people, poor widow, large sums, small copper coins. So immediately in this story, we find out that the giving is majorly disproportionate. He called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. The poor widow has put in more. How, how is that even mathematically possible? We, we learned that in basic math. Large sums greater than small sums. Maybe the only thing I remember from math, but I know that from math. Large sums greater than small sums. Large sums greater than two small copper coins. But what she gave was larger. In the economics of sacrifice, what she gave she outgave everybody. Now, Christians historically have missed the whole point of this passage. They, they use it to justify a small gift. Well, it doesn't really matter what you give. It doesn't matter. Just You've got to give something. But it doesn't matter what you give. Remember the, the widow and she only gave two copies. She gave a penny. So if you flick a penny into the offering bucket, if you flick a penny in, then God, God doesn't notice. And they've used that to justify small giving. And they totally missed the point of what Jesus was talking about. One thing we note from it, that Jesus does look at what we're giving. He takes note. He sat by the offering and he's sitting there watching as people were giving into the offering bucket. How awkward that would that be if I did that? would be awkward for me? I don't know about you, but it'd be awkward. Could you imagine if that people are passing the offering bucket and I'm walking beside the bucket? Like, like this is, they're giving it. This is what Jesus was doing. He's just sitting there watching. I, I'm sure a few people are freaking out. They're giving large sums. Maybe that's why. Maybe like, oh, here's Jesus over there, chucking a large sum of money. But he notices this woman and and the focus for Jesus is not on the size of the gift. It's of the intent. He said her gift, even though it's small, is bigger because she gave everything. These guys gave out of their abundance. Jesus was not impressed with the amount of the gift. He was impressed with the amount of the sacrifice. Because she didn't give 10%, she gave 100%. She outgave everyone else according to the economics of sacrifice. Jesus was not looking for equal giving. He was taking note of the size of the sacrifice of her heart. This was his whole point about the money changers and the temple. I don't know if you remember this, some of you, some of you are new to church, you've never heard this story. But, but Jesus went into a temple and people were selling sacrifices. Now, people have said, well, Jesus, we, you know, we can't sell anything in church, can't sell merchandise, can't do T-shirts, shouldn't do coffee because Jesus flipped over, you know, the, the selling of stuff in the temple. He wasn't. They weren't selling snacks and they weren't selling souvenirs. What they were doing was they'd set up a business based on people's laziness and their lack of desire to sacrifice to God. And they're like, why would you bother bringing in a sacrifice all the way from home? You live out in Woodbridge and you've got to come all the way to church and you've got to chuck that, that lamb in the back of, of your brand new BMW and you are got to dry, drive it to church and the lamb is going to be in the back, in the back of your, of, your, of your car or your VW, depends if you can't spell BMW. And, and you're, you're driving them and you've got to get it out and then you've got to rustle it through. You know, you're going to bring it, it's going to be sitting beside you in church. And then they're going to pass the offering bucket. you have got to pick your lamb up and shove it in the offering bucket. And, you know, and, and so what these people were saying was that's just way too much work. Here's what's better. Just drive here. We'll sell you a sacrifice. that, that You don't have to worry about bringing it. There's no, there's no effort. There's no energy. We'll sell it to you. And they're making profit. They're making profit based on other people's. And, and this was God's issue with Israel all through the Old Testament. That's, that's in the book of Malachi. In the book of Malachi, uh, God's saying, listen, you're giving sacrifices without a sacrifice. It's not costing you anything. You're not bringing me the best. You're bringing me the worst. You're offering up to sacrifice something that you would have killed anyway. So there's no cost in it. And God's like, like it's not what you give. It's how you give. It's how you give. The Bible says where much is given, much is required. I, I'm not sure that you and I realize just how blessed we are as a church. We, we, and I'm not talking about Word of Life. I'm talking about the church global. I'm talking about the church on planet Earth in 2023. We are probably, singly the most blessed church to ever exist on planet Earth. I forgot to do this at the start. Can you put that QR code up on the, on the screen for me? You can, you can, you can scan... This QR code, that's right where my head is. You can scan the QR code. That's better. Hold it. Hold it still. Still. If you scan this it'll send you to it'll send you to uh, the YouVersion Bible app and you can get the sermon notes today on YouVersion Bible app and you can take notes on your phone or if you go to YouVersion and you missed that QR code or your phone didn't grab it you just go to YouVersion Bible app go to events you'll see Word of Life Church right there and you get the notes for the, like 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 they couldn't do that in Jesus day you don't, have to, you, don't you don't even have to write anything down like we, And you've got the Bible app that, that's got Bible translations. And if you can't read, it'll read it to you. We've got great music. We've got great facilities. We are the most blessed generation ever. But where much is given, much is required. Is that Margaret Baumgartner down the back there? Is that Margaret? She turned 98 this week. 98. 98. Happy birthday, Margaret. Happy birthday, Dr. Riverson. So glad to have you here. 98. 98. 98. That's awesome. And she's in church every week. She's in church every, unless it gets too cold. She's in church every week. Some of you young 20-year-olds, remember, next time you want to sleep in, Margaret Bumgardner is 98. And she's in church every week. When you're tempted to roll over and go back to sleep, and I'm too tired, Margaret Bumgardner is in church. She's 98. We love you, Margaret. Thank you for being here. We love you, Dr. Riverson. We'll celebrate your 98th birthday in, uh, in 18 years. They, they gave out of their abundance, Jesus said. that their, their sacrifice required no sacrifice. They, they had plenty. She gave everything, they, they gave out of their abundance, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. Someone once said this, they said, God wants hearts, not coins, and coins only when they carry with them hearts. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You, you tell the value of what's in your heart by what you're willing to sacrifice. And we're all called to a life of sacrifice. We're, we're, we are not called to moments of sacrifice. We are called to a lifestyle of sacrifice. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says, "...you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ." So so a a sacrifice, sacrificial heart, is not like a one-off event that we do every now and then. It's supposed to be our lifestyle. Our praise is supposed to be given as a sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 13, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit... Of lips that acknowledge his name or the fruit of our lips giving thanks. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Our praise is a sacrifice when we stand before God. Now, listen, you, you can praise God when everything is going good. Like like you you may have heard me say before, it's easy to praise God while it's raining tacos but can you still praise God when the hail is made of kale? That there's just something about, uh, it was a horrible week this week, but I, I, I came to church and I lifted my voice in praise and I praised God. This is, this, is, this is what God loves. Why? Because there's a sacrifice made behind the song that you sang. It's a sacrifice of praise. I told this to the first service. this doesn't really count to you guys, because you're all awesome, but the first service, the 9:30 service. You're different, but the 9:30 service. And I know that even saying it now it's not really going to move the needle too much, because I've said it before, and nothing's really changed. But some people here today, you didn't even give a sacrifice of praise. You, you, you got, because you came too late we were done the praise service. You, you, you got here 9.45, 9, uh, 11.45, 11.50. Praise and worship is over. We're going to go into the announcement. And so you walked in and corporately didn't give God anything. Oh, my life's busy. I got all these things on. I, I have yeah, I, I understand that. We're all busy. But maybe the sacrifice of praise is you don't come late. You don't come on time. You actually come early. And that you get your backside into the building. Now, don't be angry at me. I know it's not you. It's somebody. It's the 9.30 service. 9.30 service. And some of them considered they were early for the 11.30 service. So they're... Now, we got here at quarter to 10, 9.45. That's early for the 11. But we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of God. God is not looking just for a song... He's not looking just for a tune. He's looking for a heart that's connected behind the song that when we sing, we sing, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my sacrifice. I'm giving you praise. Christianity comes with a cost. It's not free. It was never intended to be convenient. It was never intended to just be something we could easily do without a cost. Jesus said, I want you to pick up your cross and I want you to follow after me. Christianity was never supposed to be something comfortable. It was supposed to be something that made you uncomfortable. It, it is supposed to comfort the dist- disturbed and disturb the comfortable that's what Christianity is supposed to do God wants to shake us out of our apathy he wants to shake us out of our mediocrity he wants to shake us out of our just doing Christianity because it's something we do and he wants us to be the church and he wants us to be Christians and he wants us to adopt not convenience but an attitude of sacrifice for the kingdom of God and the world around us Some of you are terrified to clap right now. You know you should. (laughs) Our serving is given as a sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service. We are supposed to give out God. How can you use me? God, what can I do to move your kingdom forward? What can I do to bless the world around me? Humility and the posture of our heart is a sacrifice. Psalm 51, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So a sacrifice to us is having a humble spirit, is having a forgiving spirit, is having a loving spirit, a broken spirit that just says, God, I I just want to love on people. And then if you have that spirit, then you'll easily forgive me for mentioning about coming late. So you right now said, well, I haven't really been have to, I've had not had to, you know, make that, that work ever before. But right now, you can put the word of God immediately into practice by just going, oh, that was horrible a moment ago, but I still love him. And we can have a group hug moment right now. Come on, everyone, group hug. Let's group hug. Even online, group hug. Hug yourself. Come on. <laughs> the currency of the kingdom of God is sacrifice. That's the currency of the kingdom of God. And it's easy to want the benefit without the effort. I had a lot of young leaders come up to me over the years and said, man, we, we want to be like you. And I'm like, Australian? And they're like, no, we're ministry. And, and I'm like, well, that, that's easy as long as you're willing to pay the price. It's easy, it's easy to see what somebody has, like somebody who's a great sports person or a business person or has a great family. I want what they have, but, but not pay the price. Luke chapter 9 verse 51, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messages uh, ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, I I love James and John. This is one of some of my favorite passages of Scripture. When James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? I just love that. Lord, they're not receiving you. Nuke those bad boys. Jesus said, no, no, we're not doing that right now. And, And they just went to another village sacrifice is resolute in its focus. If you're going to be a person of sacrifice, Jesus set his face. He set his focus. He set his intent. This is what it takes to be generous in any level of sacrifice. It has to be a decision. Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, not as a tourist destination, not not as an opportunity to go and visit friends and family. He set his face towards Jerusalem because he was going to go to the cross. So this was a decision I'm going to sacrifice. His sacrifice was a result of a predetermined decision. And when you make a predetermined decision, it eliminates giver's remorse. It, it, it eliminates sacrifice's remorse. When you've already decided what you're going to do, then you're not going to be a manipulator. You're not going to be conned. You're not going to be forced. You're going to be pushed. And you're not going to have remorse. Paul said, let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart. Sacrifice is always a decision, it's never an emotion. You may feel emotionally when you do it, but the sacrifice needs to come out of a decision. I prefer others more than myself uh, when I have made a choice to do that. I can serve other people when I've already made a choice, that's what I want to do. I can be mindful of the needs of others when I already have made a choice to do that. It's a predetermined decision. Sacrifice is not consumed with uh, comfort or convenience. As I was going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So you you can not put something on the altar hoping to get it back. When you put your sacrifice on the altar, it was gone. So sometimes you have to decide, what am I willing to leave? What am I willing to let go of? What am I, what am I willing to lay down? There's always a sacrifice if you want to advance anywhere in life. I, I, I went for my interview as an apprentice chef on my 16th birthday. And years later, I found out from my, my boss why I got the job. He said, do you know why we chose you? over every other applicant your age and I was like I have no idea he said because you were the only one who didn't ask how much pay you were going to get I was the only one who just took the job and didn't know what my salary was going to be I was I was just turning 16 didn't really I was going to get a career my entry in the ministry was similar God spoke to me told me to go to my pastor I was in my 20s I was doing Bible college newly married and God said, go, go and tell your pastor you want to be a minister." I went to my pastor. I said, God's told me uh, that I'm, I'm going to offer it if I can serve the church. And he, he said to me, yeah, you, you, but we can't pay you. We don't have any money to pay you. I was so super spiritual. I was like, well, God didn't tell me you're going to pay me. He just told me to be in ministry. <laughs> man of God. And so, so that's what happened. They, they worked my tail off. I was their kids pastor, their youth pastor. I song-led. Can you believe that? I song-led. They was desperate. I song-led. I led prayer meetings. Um, you know, uh, I was doing Bible college. I was doing full-time Bible college, full-time ministry. And I was a qualified chef. I was in my 20s, a qualified chef, and I'd been trained as a food and beverage manager. I'd had people calling me, Mr. Morgan, for years. I'd lived in the hotel. Uh, I, I I had prestige sort of in town all the owners of nightclubs knew uh, who i was i didn't pay to get any nightclubs and people ate in our restaurant and, and, and now i'm saved and now i'm in bible college and now i'm on I'm, I'm i'm in ministry and now i got to find work and and there, were, there was a job i could do it was three hours a day right in between bible college and going to the church three hours a day and and they employed me they employed me to operate an orange juice squeezing machine I made orange juice for an ice cream store in the mall. I was a manager. Now I'm, I'm in a garage in front of an orange juice machine, putting oranges in and juice. And I can remember thinking to myself, this is horrible. But it was the cost of doing ministry. My goal in life wasn't to become an orange juice maker. It wasn't my mission. What do you feel God's called you to do? I feel God's called me to supply vitamin C for the whole world. That wasn't what I felt the call of God to do. I've, God wanted to be in, in, in ministry. But to get there, there has to be a sacrifice. If you want to be great in sport, there's a sacrifice. If you want to be great in business, there's a sacrifice. If you want to be a great parent, there's a sacrifice. If you want to be a great Christian, there's a sacrifice. You have to be willing to pay the price. When I planted the church in New Zealand, I left Australia, moved to New Zealand. There were four of us that planted South City Christian Life Centre. And for the first, like almost a year, we lived in a trailer park because there was a sacrifice that needed to be made to plant that church. Even coming here to pastor Word of Life, it required a sacrifice. Do you know that they actually interviewed and they had another pastor in place before me? I'm not talking about Pastor David Baird. I don't know where he came in the line of, of succession. What, what year, can you remember Pastor Isaac, what year he came? You can't remember, it doesn't matter. And so this guy came who must have been good. He must have been really good. He came from somewhere, they bought him in. You ne- this guy was nearly your pastor. He nearly was here. I was nearly somewhere else. He was nearly here. But when they, off, they told him what the salary was, he's like, I, ne- I need a lot more. And I think from memory, you said his wife needed money. He needed money. His wife needed money. They wanted all this money. The church didn't have the money. He wanted all You nearly got a really, really good pastor. But but you didn't have enough money. You got me, you got the budget guy. You got the discount. And they offered me what this is what we're normally paying, but we're we're after a 30% discount. So if any of you, and I know there's some of you who don't like the change and like, I'm angry at him, next time you, you get angry at me for changing something, remember you didn't give enough to get the expensive guy. He was a pew lover. That guy loved pews. He came in, just got to pay me a lot of money and we'll never touch the pews. We'll have pews forever. He had pews in his house. He removed the cars out of his Volvo and put pews in the front seat of his Volvo. That So next time you're angry, think, ah, I should have given more. But when you pay the price, you build your leadership muscle. You build muscle when you pay the price. You can go to the gym, but unless you do the workout, you're never going to build muscle. You can turn up at the gym every day and look around, but the, you've got to pick up weights. You've got to crush the muscle fiber. If you're ever going to, that's what it's crushing. It's paying a price. And sacrifice comes with a price tag. To another, he said, follow me. But, the, but, but he said, Lord, I, I love this. Probably one of my favorite. I just want to imagine how this goes down. Lord. Uh, Let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. How intense is that scripture right there? I just want you to imagine this. Imagine, Imagine, just imagine, let's bring this into today's society. It's Saturday night. You volunteered to host in this service. You call Deaconess Laurie, which is what she wants to be called. She wants to be called Deaconess from now on. She's made a specific demand, unless she's in the room. Are you here anywhere, Deaconess Laurie? Praise God. So she's not here. So she's out doing something. She wants to be called that next time you see her. So you call Deaconess Laurie on, on, on Saturday night and you say, Deaconess Laurie, um, I, I'm supposed to be serving in the 1130 service tomorrow as a host. Uh, but my dad just passed away. And she says to you, and what's your point? Which is technically what Jesus said here. And you go, well, didn't you hear what I said? Um, my, my dad, my, my dad passed away last night. And she's like, I heard what you said, your dad passed away, that's sad. But what, what's the point of your call? well, I'm serving in church tomorrow at the 11:30 service as a host and and, and and I can't be there. Well, why not? Because my dad died. Will he be dead after the service? Yeah. so he's not, not going to be any dead at the end. As he, you can't let the dead people look after him? Well, no, because they're all dead. I'm not getting your point. What's the point? I need to take the service off. And she goes, no. You would leave this church in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, you'd be, you'd be looking for somewhere else. I like, bet evil Christians. Look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did. He's like, there's a cost. Now, we're not going to do that. If something happens like that, you've got the day off. This is a time where you are really glad that I'm not Christ-like. <laughs> I'm glad Deaconess Laurie is not Christ-like when you, when you need the day off. You, you, in fact, the best thing to do is call if that's your moment. You call and say, hey, uh, Deaconess Laurie, uh, please don't be Christian right now. Please be a total heathen right now. I'm, I'm just, yeah. Let the dead bury the dead. The, the value of the sacrifice comes in the, in the priority of the action. Jesus said, listen, if you want to follow me, it's not comfortable. If you want to follow me, it's not convenient. If you want to follow me, there are times it's going to cost you. But I'm here to encourage you, don't let anyone ever despise you paying the price. Don't let anybody ever talk you out from paying a price. Don't let anybody make fun of the price that you're paying. Because it it may seem small to everybody else, but it matters to God. It matters to God. When I, when I started ministry and I'd gone to the pastor and I'm working now for the church, I'm doing children's ministry. And I made this decision that I wanted to make a homework folder, a little homework sheet for every child that came to our children's ministry. We only had about 70 in our kids' ministry. And it was a piece of paper folded in half and through the, the photocopy. And we didn't have color photocopying back then. If you wanted a color photo, you want to do color photocopying, you put red paper in. We're still black and white print on red paper. You want a yellow, yellow paper goes in. And, and, and we didn't have computers. You had a typewriter. You had to type it up, and then you had to stick it down on the piece of paper and line it up, and get get uh, uh, white out around the edges. And you'd run it through the photocopier, and there'd be a little shadow that would come out because of the white out. And I'd redo it, and I'd wait till there was no shadow. There, some of the things from the book called the the clip art book. anybody remember the clip art books? You'll probably find them in a museum under archaeology and. The clip art, you'd clip art and and, and it would just take, and, and set. if you wanted big letters, you had these big plastic sheets and you'd lie the sheet down and you'd scrub down on the L, it would give you the word the letter L. Then you had to look on the sheet. If you had an O, you'd put an O down. If you didn't have an O, you had to get a Q and you had to take the little thing off the Q to get the O. And And, and I would go into the office about 10 in the morning and I'd leave at 8 or 10 at night. On a Saturday, I'd spend hours producing a a sheet of paper that the children would use as aeroplanes. They didn't have value. Sometimes I felt like getting the oranges that were left over from the week and just chucking them at the kids for not valuing the hours. And I remember people coming up to me saying, Why would you do that? Why would you put all that work in to produce that for children? I'm like, Because God sees it. They're not my children. It's not my children's ministry. It's God's children's ministry. God God loves us. He gave his life for those children. God, And I want them to have the best experience in children's ministry because I want them to love Jesus because there was an adult in his life that was willing to pay the price to give them the best. It wasn't about being convenient. It wasn't about having a title. It's about serving the least. And while no one else may notice it, God has noticed it. And I believe that God has blessed me in my life because I spent time, you know, years ago building a children's ministry brochure. Young people, you cannot you cannot serve God without a price. It's going to cost you something. Don't let society talk you in to thinking that you can do something without paying a price. Convenience is not always your friend. It may be nice, but it's not always your friend. You cannot sacrifice without a price tag. The attitude of all giving should be an attitude of sacrifice. Now, some people give out a necessity. Some people give out a compulsion. Some people give because they're pride and self-righteousness. Some people give out a habit. They've just been doing that since they were a, a, a young person. But there are others who give out a holy love and joy. And they are blessed and they are privileged to sacrifice. And that's how this widow gave. The price tag of sacrifice is high. That's why many people don't want to give it. It's just too high. That's the price of sacrifice. And sacrifice requires just letting it go. Yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me say farewell to those that are at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Old Testament sacrifice required that, that, that what was given would, would be lost. It would be given over forever. You had to let it go. The argument between God and Israel was they were not willing to let go of their best to God. When Abraham was called, it was all about letting go. Abraham, you've got to leave everything. You've got to leave your comfort zone. We need you to leave your security. We need you to leave the uh, sense of community, your family. That's what Abraham had to give. When Elijah called Elisha. He had to give up his business. He had to give up his security. He had to give up his family and he had to chase. And many times Elijah said to Elisha, I'm not sure if you can do this next step. And Elisha's like, I'm so passionate. I don't care what I've got to leave behind. I want the mantle that's on you. And I'm going to be there when you release it. I'm going to pick it up. And then he sacrificed and he was able to operate in the double portion. Some people want the double portion of the spirit without paying a double portion of sacrifice. You can't get a double portion on a, on a budget sacrifice. The disciples had to leave their nets. They had business. They had to leave their nets, their security, their money, even their own ability to run their own business and surrender under Jesus. You can't let it go and then pick it up again. The currency of the kingdom of God is always sacrifice. I want Russell to come now. I, I, I want to prophesy over word of life today that I believe that God is moving us into a season of sacrifice. It's a season of sacrifice. And, 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 and don't, don't be confused. I'm not talking about an offering today. This is, not a, this is not a money. This is not about a giving money. This is about sacrifice. This is about more than cash. This is about a, 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 a lifestyle that lays itself on the altar and says, God, how can you use me? I want to be used by you. Word of life has been used by God. Word of life has done many great things around the world. We still do that. We celebrated that last week. But we haven't done a lot for our Jerusalem. We haven't done a lot for our community, for our home. And I believe that God is calling us as a church, that if we're going to live here, we're going to change here. If we're going to live here, we're going to change here. You've heard people say, maybe, maybe you've heard somebody say this, we're in the world, but not of the world. And that's true. But we're in the world not to be in it. We're in it to change it. We're in the world to change the world. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be influences. We're supposed to represent the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's who God's called us to be. That's God. who God's called us to be. Luke chapter four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. The touch of God is always for the task of God. His mandate is our mission. He says, he, he sent me to uh, bring good news to the poor. He sent me to heal, uh, bring liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's our mission. It was Jesus' mission. It's our mission. Good news to the poor is not just look at people in poverty and go, hey, how you doing? No, it's to change their poverty. We want to break the curse of poverty. We want to be a a source of blessing to people in need. We want to be able to see needs and be able to meet needs. We want to mobilize our church that we have a heart to see needs and then be able to meet needs. Sometimes you may just have to do that individually. Sometimes we can do that corporately. But God is moving us to a position to say, how can we, how can we minister the needs in our community? How, how can we help those that are bound up in sin? How can we help those that have lost their vision? How, how can we help those that have lost their passion for life? How can we have community organizations with counseling and, and, and food supply and, and blessing people in our community? This is what God's calling us to do. And so I want us all to pray. I want us to be praying on how we can be involved in this season serving our city. God's calling us to serve our city. Someone can lead serve teams. Someone can lead that. I was talking to Pastor Joel this week, and he was talking to me about when he was lead pastor of Hillsong Australia some years ago, their church was 50,000 people at that point, but they had over 150,000 people mobilized to serve in communities around Australia. Mobilized. And some of them, their ministry was they get up on a Saturday morning, four of them, they'd load lawn mowers into their car and some weed eaters, and they drive into a community. They went to the same street every week for years, and they mowed lawns and they cleaned up gardens. They went to the poorest neighborhoods, and they mowed lawns and they cleaned up gardens. And over a process of time, more doors opened up, and the people's yards that they cleaned up, they end up saying, man, we want to do this to our own yard, and they ended up training them how to do it. What was that? That's a serve team. How can we serve the world around us? You can lead a serve team or you can serve on a serve team. But how can we make a difference in the world around us? We are partnering with CityServe. Dave Donaldson's here today. How many of you remember Dave? Three of you. There's a whole heap of new people here. And and, and he leads CityServe nationally. And they're doing things around the world right now. It's our blessing to have him here today. I'm going to get him to come and pray for us a moment. And, uh, but we're partnering with them. We've had our first shipment come in. We have a warehouse. We've unpacked. We have 26 pallets uh, from Amazon. We've unpacked about half of them onto shelves we've in inventory. inventory. We, we, we can use you to help us. Un- if you say, well, I can't do it, but I can unpack a pallet. You can look in so you can take a photo and put it on the, the Hero app. You can help us inventory things. You can help us unpack. You can help us clean. You can help us distribute. How can we mobilize you? You can help us with administration. Some people here, you say, man, I I can't do anything, but I can finance it. I can help give to the benevolence fund. All of us can be involved in doing something. Every one of us here today. But it just takes a heart that says, you know what? I can't give equally. I may not be able to do what everybody else can do. If you're 98, you're probably not unpacking pallets down at a warehouse. But if you're 98, you can pray. You can pray. Margaret pays for us every week. I ask you every week, please pray for me. Please intercede. Please pray for us as a church. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. That's the whole principle of God. We can't all do the, the same thing, but every one of us can do something. Let me believe that. We can't all do the same thing, but every one of us can do something. I, I, I wonder what you can do. Maybe it's helping us get food and distribute food. Two weeks from now, we'll be like our City Serve Sunday and uh, not next weekend, but the weekend after. And we're going to mobilize our church. We're going to mobilize our church to give things into our community. We're going to put things in your hand that you can go out and take and give things into the community. I'm excited about that Sunday. It's gonna be a great Sunday. Uh, don't miss it. Next Sunday is our Latin Food Festival, our South American Food Festival. So that's gonna be awesome. We're gonna eat nachos with cheese. The following week, we're gonna mobilize our church to do something significant for Jesus. Can you play with me to do that? Can we do that? Can we believe that together? Can we do that? Dave, why don't you come up? Why don't you bring your wife up here and 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 let's give him a microphone Chris, if we can do that. Come, I, I've asked him to come and pray for us. Can you stand right throughout our building? Can you stand wherever you're at? You guys have an incredible. Thank you for being here. We love you. Love you. Appreciate you. Thank you. He, he, he's at a big event this week and hanging with some in, in, important people. But today he decided I'm I'm just going to go and hang with the guy that was the budget
1: pastor and. So I uh, actually, that. a priceless pasta.
0: Oh, it pr- was priceless pasta. That was it. And uh, But I, I have a great heart. Their vision for CityServe and for... We've been to their facility in Bakersfield. We're just recently with CityServe in, uh, in Arizona and all the things that they're doing. And this is a great heart and a, and a mandate and a mantle uh, to help those that are in need. And so I've asked them both to come up and just pray over us as a church. Can you, can you lift your hands out and just get ready to receive what you pray over us today?
2: And before we pray, I'll say just a few words, but it's like coming home and thank you for your sacrifice. Dear Word of Life family, when we lived and worked here Many, many years raising our four kids here. It's the local church. We believe in the local church because it's God's plan to reach the city, reach our nation, reach the world through the local church from your neighborhood to the nations. And now our kids are grown and married and giving us grandkids. Woo-hoo, so we're blessed and in use. multiplying his truth to all generations through the local church.
1: Are you going to pray? to pray. Yeah, sure, and I'll, I'll follow. Great. And happy birthday to my long, long yes. friend, Dr. John Riverson. Love you much. Many let's great pray. times together.
2: Yes, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, first of all, for sending your Son, our Savior. We have hope. We have victory. We have a purpose. Yes. And I thank you that you've laid it out for us. And thank you for sending Dr. Anna and John to this church. And yes, we're so grateful for what you're doing and the new things that you do. You are a God of new beginnings. You make roads in the wilderness. You make rivers in the desert. And we thank you, Lord. We are here to be your servants. And we know you're calling us to sacrifice for you, to follow you, Holy Spirit. So be poured out upon us today, and I thank you in your name.
1: Amen. Lord, you are doing exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could possibly ask or thank. Yeah. Do you believe that today? Yes. Lord, you are doing exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could possibly ask or thank right now. And we thank you, Lord, for sending our precious gems from your treasure box. Pastor John and Pastor Anna, their family. What an anointed message today. What an anointed message today. Lord, we are living sacrifices today. Yeah. We lay ourselves, our families, on an altar before you. We're willing to do whatever it takes, God, to live for you. This is not a dress rehearsal. That's right. This is it. This is it. Help us, God, today to make that declaration. I will do, Lord, whatever you want me to do to get behind these anointed pastors to serve this community, serve the nation, the world. And, Lord, we do thank you for the veterans and military families that have modeled yeah, before yeah. a sacrifice. And in God we trust. And we do stretch forth our hands to the White House. We pray for our president, for guidance and wisdom, the Pentagon. We pray that you'll just pour out your wisdom upon our military leaders right now. And then we stretch forth to Israel. And we ask for supernatural protection upon the IDF as they go into Israel. Protect them, Lord, and protect the innocent Palestinian families. And so today's a day, Lord. I really believe that today is a turning point in our church. Yeah,
0: thank you, God.
1: This is a turning point. Yeah, thank you, God. This is, we will look back on this day as this is when the fire of revival began. Thank you, God. Because we're not going to settle for less. We're going to do whatever it takes. Got to be part of this last day's revival so that you receive all the glory, all the honor. That's all we want. Amen.